Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC San Antonio. The main event is Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Leon Rocky Edwards. And not only are we back, I'm sure you're all happy to see that I am back in front of the computer, not just audio. As your host, I am the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the co-host analyst of the podcast. It is Chris Olson. You can find him on Twitter at, at RealChrisOlson. Joe also goes by Sun Tzu. You can find him at Sun Tzu. Guys, rough card last week. A lot of dogs come. A lot of dogs coming through. You seeing seeing more more of the same this week. And I should say, Chris, Mike Rodriguez. Oh. That's all I'll say. You had that one right. I I had that rough right, card. but you know what? But if you go insane enough and often enough, eventually you're going to be right. Uh, well, as uh. A guy by that goes by the name of Sammy the Bull said on Twitter, the next time you guys laugh at me for picking a dog, he's betting his kidneys on the dog. And I think that's a smart bet. Um, yeah, well, um, good luck with that. Wow. Well, in what world, in what world is Cliff, is Chris the cleanest shaven of the three of us? I know. It's I mean, uh, that it's is, uh, world. I always, I always have the beard. I mean, I, I honestly feel like I owe, I owe uh, an apology to our, our millions of viewers because I really, I mean, I got everything wrong. I mean, I was telling, I was talking with Chris and Sean prior to the the start of the pod. I mean, if you, if someone told you that um, you would have Vittori, Durandamy, and Emmett, right? Knowing that like they scored 85, 100, 100, whatever. And then you had the two highest price guys left with Sozo, you know, shit the bed. Got it. You'd think, you know, you'd have a pretty good week. But of course, the two guys on the top flopped. And I lost probably 90% of, of what I put in. Uh, to contest, but it really, it was such a painful week last week. Um, we got to get it back here this week. All I can say is Andre Feely and Josh Emmett, thank you very much. Oh, by I the way, uh, Josh Emmett, but also, you know, Chris picked the upset on Rodriguez. Let's be honest. Roberson lost too. Roberson I mean, probably should have lost. Yeah, lost. It was close enough. Where uh, it's I, like, I, I, had, I, had, I had 
I had the other guy clearly winning it, but whatever. I mean, I had more Roberson, so, but I mean, I think that was a gift. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm dealing with everybody in chat. Uh, this is a good time to remind everyone that we record these or we go live and then record these Friday nights at eight o'clock on the YouTube channel. Go to rotowire.com. Everybody in chat, welcome. Thanks. You can also listen to this, a recorded version of this on iTunes under Rotowire MMA. Check that as well. Like, comment, subscribe in all of those places. Also go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. They are developing their optimizer for MMA. Jake posted uh, right before we went live that he has the betting odds up in there. So check out that and, you know, get in here and, you know, be a part of the show. I really like the interaction right now. We are giving crap to our boy Vince, who thinks he is too good for Macy Barber. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Um Mm. I told him, you better look like The Rock, because let's 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 be honest. None of us are kicking her to are kicking are kicking her to the curb. And if you are, let's, really, really, let's, you guys, you, you like Macy Barber? I might have to Google her again because what I'm remembering, she's she's no Laura Sanko. That's fair. That's a mm. fair point. But to say that she's not attractive to the point where you wouldn't hook up with her is insane. Wow. We, you look we, at us. We're a bunch of schlub, schlubs in front of computers talking about MMA. Come on yeah. now. Come uh, on true, now. but I mean, okay. That's, that's my only – you can rate them and say one's better than the other, but to say one is trash, yeah. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. And that's the kind of quality content you get before. Yeah, that, was, that was the TMZ portion of the, uh, the podcast. No, no. It's that kind of entertainment that people want. Uh, this so is we, – uh, you know, we, we, we just got a second sponsor called Tinder. So we are uh, – <laughs> Sorry, I just want to put this in. It says 5,000 left on the table for the optimal last week. That is insane, if true. And I have no reason to believe it's not. So, yeah, insane. That's that's, that's bananas. Um, I will say, if, if Tinder is sponsoring us, I have to ask, is that the game you young kids are playing while uh, you're uh, pooping these days? Is that, is that the new, like, Angry Birds Tinder? Nah. I'm so glad I got married before Tinder was a thing. Like, holy shit. I don't know, man. I'm at, Chris is the only one who's, like, eligible. Well, at least legitimately eligible for Tinder. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, That's a good qualifier there. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I'm just laughing at our friend, uh, you know, Aberdeen Randy Goon here, who is saying he likes high foreheads. Um, wow. Big foreheads. Sorry. Big foreheads. Okay. All right. Okay, wow, we're going to have to get back onto the fight. This is yeah. what the people love to see. Yes. Aside from Chris being insane and picking Felipe Colares, who's 6,800, taking on uh, first name Domingo Pilarte at 9,400. Most expensive fighter on the card is leading us off. Pilarte right now, minus 315. Come back on Colares, plus 285. Chris, tell the people why Felipe, Felipe Colares is going to win even though I think Pilarte is better everywhere in this fight and one of the safer options in the card. Why is he going to win, Chris? I, well, I can't tell you he's going to win. What I will tell you is um, – I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to start off this way, which is in this fight against the Freitas, a lot of people thought that was close or that uh, Calares was going to win. I did not. I picked uh, the Freitas pretty handily in that fight. I just thought he was uh, the way better boxer in their jiu-jitsu games were comparable. And um, that proved out. And now Kolaris is 
you know, it's a pretty big switch because, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the public was, was on him and now, uh, most of the public is, is way off of him. And, um, th there's a reason why, I mean, his game is pretty limited. He likes to just barrage forward with strikes, get his takedowns, get his jujitsu game going. And, you know, that could be a little kind of valuable here. I mean, I, I think he could back up, uh, um, Felipe here and, uh, pour on the pressure, but, um, I don't know, like in the Contender Series fight, uh, Michael Bisping made the comparison uh, to Luke Rockhold, and you can see where the comparison comes from. He just sort of got that um, straight-up stance. He, he, he um, doesn't really use his footwork, kind of just uses his head movement to get away, and so when he gets lazy, that means he can get tagged. And that happened a couple times uh, with Vince Morales in that fight where he had to come back from really getting rocked. Now, I'm not saying that Kolaris um, is anywhere near the boxer, that Morales is, he's not. But I am saying that the way that he charges forward with strikes, he can catch. And if he catches, he can knock him out or get his jujitsu game going. Now, um, the thing about uh, Domingo here is that he can counterpunch as well. He likes that chef left hook. He likes that counter uppercut. So that could lead to quick knockouts for Kolaris as well. But I do think that Kolaris has a window to potentially hurt his opponent and maybe jump on a sub. So I'm going to be picking against Collardes officially, but I'm I'm going to be also saying that um, I think he could maybe run into a big strike and find a finish here. Joe, why is Pilarte going to win this fight? Well, I mean, look, I I am having you know I just not that they're even similar types of fighters, but um, you know when when you see a, a relatively unproven guy at the top, um, you know I'm I'm having like Mike Rodriguez flashbacks here. Yeah. Um, Although, I, again, they're not similar types of fighters. I feel a little bit more confident about um, Dom this week. I believe he's got the second best, um, you know, finish by, you know, submission KO or DQ prop. I think only Walt Harris has got a better prop on the card for finish. So I am fairly highly exposed to him. Um, this could be another big pork chop for me. But um, I'm going to go with uh, Domingo here. I have a little bit of Colaris in some edge lineups. Um, not much, I'll be honest. So this, again, this could be a really big pork chop based on the exposure that I have. But um, based on, on purely on his finish prop and his betting odds, um, you know, this is a play that I've got to make. So I am going to pick Domingo Pilarte. And this is the first fight of the night. So we'll know really quickly yes, we um, how we're looking here. <laughs> um, so I'll take Pilarte. I think Chris gave a much better technical analysis of the fight than I could. So I'm just going to say uh, Pilarte by finish. Jinsu Sun, Andy 100, taking on Mario Batista at 7,100. Jinsu Sun, who has got a lot of, or at least some hype behind him now after his debut loss to Peter Yan. That always makes me a little bit sketchy when guys getting hyped up after a loss. The line now, I think it's come down a little bit actually. It's minus 185. Batista is plus 170. I'm picking Sun in this fight, but man, Batista, I'm not going to fade him. I think he is plenty live uh, in this spot. Both these guys, really tough UFC debuts. Um, Mario Batista in his UFC de debut lost to Corey Sandhagen. So both these guys, much more winnable matchup here. I think the line, I think the line is probably going to close a little more to where about it should be, and the prices are just way off. So Sun to win, but um, I'm interested in Mario Batista in this fight. 
Um, I do think there'll be plenty of volume. Uh, both sides in GPP seems fine to me. Uh, but Sun is the official pick. Joe? Yeah, so Sun, obviously, you, you mentioned the recency bias, the, the Peter Yan fight. Um, I believe that he even missed weight in that fight, so he didn't get to keep um, the fight of the night bonus, which is kind of a real bummer because that was a really entertaining fight. Um, trains at the Korean Zombies gym. Um, although Korean Zombie has recently moved to the U.S., so I'm not sure how that he actually has Zombie as a training partner. Um, where Batista trains at MMA Lab, good camp. Um, yeah, I honestly, I really don't have a lot of exposure to this fight. I was just looking at what I have so far, and um, I believe I have an equal 8% of each guy here. So I'm going to be pretty much underweight to the market. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be underweight. Um, I'm going to pick Sun for the win um, based on his last, like who had the better of their last performances in a loss. Um, you know, although Batista can get him down. So there's definitely some value in Batista, but I'm only exposed 8% to each guy in my, in my mass entry. So I'll pick Sun for the win, but I don't have a lot of exposure to the fight as a whole. Chris. Yeah, I like Mario Batista too. If you guys remember, I actually picked Mario Batista to beat Sanhagen. My rationale was that I you were a crazy person. Well, that, there's that, but there's well, look. I mean, I, I also have to show the people that I'm human. Like I actually do get fights wrong once in a while. I think people might have forgot, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think that um, what's that Amanda Bobby Cooper? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, yeah, we'll shh, we'll uh, keep that under wraps, but. Um, I just thought Batista was going to be the better grappler, which is um, ironic since he actually ended up getting subbed in that fight. But I, I still do like Batista um, a little bit as a prospect. He's got a, a nice little meat and potatoes boxing game where he can throw a jab. He can throw a one-two. He seems heavy-handed enough. I'm not going to claim that he's like a big, powerful guy, but I think his shots carry enough weight where you're going to feel him. Now, Jin Su-san, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to me when a guy is is the, the, the low end of, of the spectrum in his last fight, and now he's bumped way up there for this fight. And basically, on the strength of the fact that he took a beating from uh, Peter Yan. I mean, that's why that's what makes this so bizarre. I mean, and I, I would disagree a little bit, Sean, about the fact that there's volume. I think that traditionally, uh, Jin Su San is, is a pressured counterfighter. I think the reason we saw so much volume from him is because of Peter Yan's output. Um, but look, he's obviously a tough guy. We know that. He can, he can work a jab. We know that. He can throw in combination a bit, although when he does, he tends to get a little wild. Uh, he can even work a little bit of a takedown game. And he, he has decent wrestling defense, at least from a little bit I've seen on the regional circuit. But um, I just think that Mario Batista is the much more put-together fighter. I think that if he does get to fight to the ground, he has, a, he has a potential to dominate there. And I think his game is good enough on the feet where as long as he doesn't get flustered by the fact that uh, Jin Su-san is apparently the Terminator. I think that um, he could win the pressure battle here, although it'll be interesting to see who does because both these guys like to come forward. Peter Yan won it against Jin Su-san, but um, Peter Yan wins it against everybody. So that'll be interesting to see. But I just think Batista is a little bit better put together. I like his skills on the ground and um, picking him to win the fight. First big upset pick. Surprise, surprise, it comes from Chris. Anyway. All right. Let's go to some more recency bias, in my opinion. Ray Borg, 9,300, taking on 
Oh, I always forget his first name. Yeah, it is Gabriel Silva at 6,900. Ray Borg is, well, money's coming on Silva. Borg down to minus 165. So you get some odds value here on Gabriel Silva at plus 155. Look, the question with Ray Borg is where's his head at? But I, yes, I know he lost the fight to Casey Kenny. He was robbed in that fight, in my opinion. We have a few guys in this card coming off of pretty bad decisions. Yes, Borg underperformed, but he should have won that fight. Anyway. Sean, we, were, we were at that fight, weren't we? No. We, sure? So. Oh, no, North I was North. at it. That was Philly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was or, at Or Norfolk, fight. but I wasn't there for that one. No, yeah. Um, okay. But from where I was, I thought Borg won it. Um, yeah. With this fight, what's interesting here is that Borg's going to want to get this fight to the ground, and Gabriel Silva is a good scrambler. This fight could score well on DraftKings because they could be grappling for, for three rounds. It could turn into a Luis Smolka type of fight. Borg's not going to want any of the stand-up. On the feet, Silva probably has an advantage, but Borg's been in there with guys like Mighty Mouse, and like he's a higher cal- he's a high-caliber guy. The issue is we all know about the outside-the-cage stuff. Where's, it, where's his head at? Uh, moving up to 135, like you don't know where he's at. But now everyone is off of him. You're going to get three rounds. Like I, I like Borg more than the field does. Not going crazy, but I think Borg wins this fight. Um, and post it on Twitter. If the line keeps falling, if it gets to minus 150, I'm going to bet, I will bet Ray Borg because I think he'll be able to control uh, Silva. I don't think he's afraid of the, the sub game. I don't think he's going to get uh, caught. You know, it took Mighty Mouse of that highlight reel submission to get him. So give me Ray Borg for some control. I will say, because of all the narrative and Silva's decent prospect, I will have some of Silva, especially at 6,900, but I'm picking Ray Borg to win. Uh, Chris, you start this one off. Yeah, um, I I actually like Silva a decent amount here. Of course, he's under seven thousand. Ray Borg is uh, well. Hey man, I got the underdogs worked last week. I got to go back to it. But um, Ray Borg is we pretty much know uh, what Ray Borg wants to do. He's gonna sort of fake you and faint you into the corner and then try to work his takedown game. Um, uh, Gabriel, as you said, John, not only is he a good scrambler, but I really think he's a if if not the most technical striker in the world, at least a good pressuring striker who throws hard. And I think that um, that could be enough to uh, just sort of overwhelm Ray Borg here. We're going to have to see what uh, Gabriel Silver's takedown defense looks like. We know he's a wrestler himself. He can wrestle a little bit. We're going to have to see what that takedown defense looks like. That, that to me is the big question here. But um, as far if, if we can, if we see early that he can stuff some of those Borg takedowns, or as you said, Sean, scramble back to his feet, I think Ray Borg could be in trouble here because I think, uh, uh, Silva's got enough power and is aggressive enough to maybe put his lights out. So I like Silva a lot here. I agree that this is probably going to be a high-scoring fight. Even in that fight he lost, that was really close. I think there was about seven takedowns that he scored. So uh, Ray Borg, you know, you're always going to get that that uh, high-level wrestling and, and scrambling game that's going to pay off on DK. I think this is a close fight. I'm going to pick uh, Silva here, though, because I just think that um, as a wrestler himself and a good scrambler, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, which I know is a little risky that he can stop the takedown. And if that happens, I think he can dominate on the feet. So give me Silva, but there are lingering questions that could push you towards board. Hey, Vince, by the way, made a really good point in chat with all the dogs that won last week. How in the hell did you not win all the money? Yeah, like I know. You, you got to not be playing the volume. Like, well, what, yeah, what no. Happened? What happened is, I, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to myself. I, I took, I took too much Rodriguez. I mean, I had, 
I had more uh, Alan than you guys, but I still had too much Rodriguez. So, and and I and I had some I had some Simone too because everybody thought that fight was gonna. But all right, uh, all right I guess I guess Joe, what do you got? Okay, so this guy Silva has had a really strange career. First of all, uh, he is the the younger brother of um, Eric Silva. Um, you know, UFC. I guess I don't know if he's still in or former UFC, but you know, there's quite an age difference. His career is really weird. He's 24 years old, yet his first professional fight was in 2011, which makes him around 16 at the time. Uh, then he fights once a year in 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015, once a year, right? Great. His next fight is 2017. So there's a two year, there's two years between 2015 and 2017, right? Then he takes another two years off and has a very good win against Jake Heffernan. In LFA, Heffernan's a good fighter. He's 7-1 himself. I believe that was his first loss um, in LFA. So that was a really good win by punches in the first round. However, I don't understand his career trajectory. Team Nogueira is a good camp as far as Brazilian camps go. Um, but I, there's just something odd here. I'm not sure if he's maybe not committed to fighting or, you know, having three fights in the last four years for a young fighter is really, really strange. So let's be honest. If Ray Borg is Ray Borg of old, and, and let's also put on the table that he weighed in first today, made weight, 136, um, looked okay um, from what I could see on the scales. If this is Ray Borg, he should really clean this guy's clock. Um, you know, and he needs a win badly. He should have gotten the win last time. I'm not sure about the scoring, um, but I'm going to go heavy on Borg here. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to go in on Borg to win. I don't have a lot of exposure to this fight, which may come back to bite me. Um, I will have some shares of Silva just in case, but the pick is Ray Borg. All right, moving on. We'll go to women's fight and Joe's up first. Jennifer Maya, 8,200, taking on Roxanne Foxy Roxy. Matafari at 8,000. Uh, line on this fight. Maya's the one fighter who missed weight, by the way. Um, forfeits 30% of her purse to Roxanne Matafari. Uh, Maya minus 135. Matafari plus 125. They have fought before. Maya won the fight. It was a five-rounder close fight. Three rounds to two for Maya. Um, Pennington. Uh, Pennington. Sorry. Thinking of a different Rocky slash Roxy. Matafari. We'll look to grapple. She will score well if she wins. She also has looked decent as of late. Her recent UFC losses are uh, Sajar Eubanks, who outmuscled her, and Nico Montano, who, despite losing last week, might be better than I thought she was. Um, I thought she actually performed pretty well against Juliana Pena. And uh, somebody else pointed this out to me last night. If you go back and you replay their first fight, Roxanne wins two rounds to one because she won rounds two and three. Maya won one, four, five. I will say regardless of who you're picking in this fight, Jennifer Maya is a terrible DraftKings play. She's DraftKings garbage, slow out, low output striker in the women's division. No thanks. I do think Roxanne gets a little bit of revenge here. She's been around long enough. I think she'll have some uh, success in the grappling at 8,000. I have some interest in Roxanne Modafari, um, especially as a pivot away from the heavyweight fights in that <coughs> round. So um, give me Roxy in this one. Joe. So, um, yeah, it was a split decision win. I, the fact that Maya missed weight by three pounds 
is doesn't concern me all that much. I always said that I would rather have a fighter miss by a fair amount than miss by a quarter of a pound because likely she just said, you know what, I'm not going to make it, so I'm not going to kill myself. I'm already forfeiting 30% of my purse. I'm not going to cut my hair off for the last quarter of a pound, which we've seen before. Um, look, everybody likes Roxanne. I mean, she is uber cool, um, great Twitter presence, engaging. Um, I just don't see why Maya won't win this fight. Again, now it's only three rounds. I get it. Um, I agree that Maya is not a super DraftKings play. Um, she scored 60 points in a win in her last fight um, against Davis. Uh, she scored 21 points in a loss against Carmouche, and she's coming in at 8.2K, which is the highest salary that she's had in her last in her in her two two fights with the UFC. So I'm going to make a very tentative pick of of uh, Maya. I'm not going to have a lot of exposure to this fight because I think it could be a low scoring fight. Um, although, you know, if Roxy wins, um, she can put up some points. She put up, um, you know, 113 against Honchak. She put up 97 in her last fight against Shevchenko, but her floor is also 21 in a loss to Pennington and 22 in a loss to Eubanks. Um, so I'm going to pick Maya here. Um, but I, I agree with Sean. This is probably a fight to stay away from in DraftKings. Chris. Yeah, I think Maya wins this fight pretty easily, actually. Um, and the reason that I do is because if you if you look at uh, the two Jennifer Maya fights, one was Liz Carmouche, and uh, one was uh, who was the other one? I just I just saw it was Alex Davis, and uh, not neither one of those girls uh, scored a takedown despite there being a lot of clinch work in both of those fights. I was nervous, especially watching the Davis fight over, because I thought, well, if she falls into the clinch this much. Uh, she might get taken down, but she never once uh, got taken down by a big, strong fighter and a, a, a fighter who's stronger than Roxy is. And I think that she has a good enough boxing game, um, a good enough footwork to really just stay up and and really put it on put it on Roxy here. I, I think uh, Roxy, you know, comes in with that uh, janky uh, boxing style, just trying to get takedowns, and uh, you know can get hit a lot. And I think Maya is going to be there to do the hitting. I think that she can score. I think that she's sort of a, um, sort of a, sort of a, uh, like an under the radar player. I think that, um, that um, we were talking about last fight, high volume. I think that uh, Mataferi brings out that high volume in her opposition. I think Maya can potentially do that here. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see Mataferi bringing this fight to the floor. And if she doesn't, to me, that means Maya piecing her up. So I'm taking Maya for the win and, a potentially uh, deceptively strong DraftKings play as well. Wait, wait. How is she a deceptively strong DraftKings play? I can give you disagreeing what I, just, I just said it. I said that Modafferi brings out the volume in her opponents, as we were oh. talking about before with Peter Jan. I think that Maya tags her up. I'm not saying I'm not saying she's going to score 100. I'm saying she could score 82 to 85. I don't see that that's out of the question. That's... 82 to 85 with her style. She's not going to get any takedowns. It's 100 strikes in three rounds. Yeah. Oof. Oof. You, you want to bet something on, on, on Maya, Maya scoring over 85? No, you already took enough of my money. Move on. Come on. Come on. Double or nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I like it. But no. You uh, said she was going to win easily. What number do you I, want? Well, no. I, no, I do think she's going to win easily for sure. I don't think 
she's going to score you uh, big for sure. I, I said deceptively. That's why I said deceptively, sneakily, maybe a play. How about eighty? How about eighty-two? Because that's her ten x. Okay. Sure. Do I, you wait? Uh, you want I, 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 fine. just for just for entertainment purposes? I'll lose another five bucks. Fine. Okay. Watch, watch my head kick knock her out. I know that counts, by the way. Torch, torch, all, torch all my lineups. <laughs> and it cost me five bucks. That'll be fun, guys. Tune into that. <laughs> uh, what I, what I do for this show, guy? I hope you guys. Yeah, that really should be your hot take too. Yeah, anyway, it will be. Don't worry. Clinton Abreu, eighty six hundred, taking on Sam Alvey at seventy six hundred. Abreu minus one sixty five. Alvey plus one fifty five. Alvey's been knocked out twice twice in a row. One of those by by old man Nog. Clinton uh, Abreu's nose was sideways in his last fight. Um, I'm not sure about Alvey's power translating to 205. He's a low output striker. It's not a fight I'm terribly interested in, quite honestly. Um, I think Abreu wins, but even though they're bigger guys, just Alvey fights. I would play some Alvey in GPP if it wasn't for everybody around him. I think there's plenty of dogs we can talk about later. Um, but yeah, give me Abreu in this one, Chris. Yeah, Abreu easily for me. I, I mean, this is we, – we actually had some people – I don't remember what you guys did in all fairness, but we actually had some people picking Alvi um, uh, against Jimmy Crute. I didn't see that either. Look, Alvi had one style that worked for him for a long time, which was to be a super boring counter striker. And the reason that that was his style is he's too slow, and when he opens himself up, he just opens himself up to getting cracked. That's what happened in that Jimmy Crute fight. And that could happen here too. Abreu – is a jiu-jitsu fighter primarily, but he keeps a, a, a decent high guard, has a decent boxing game. Caught uh, caught Ankalaev with a with a with a decent uh, hook off a break in 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 one uh, one exchange. Now look, Ankalaev is a much better and faster striker than Sam Alvey, so I'm not I'm not even concerned about that at all. But but Sam Alvey just doesn't do anything. If if you're betting on a Sam Alvey win, what you're betting on is for like a perfect counter shot somewhere. Yeah, Ankaliyev did it, but but as I said, I'm, are we really comparing comparing the speed or even the uh, acumen in general of these strikers? I mean, I wouldn't. And even for all his excellent takedown defense, which he does have, it's worth noting that no one has tried to take Sam Elvey down at this weight class yet. Uh, the power could be different here. So, you know, I don't think we can bank on Clinton Abreu getting takedowns, but would it surprise me? No, because as we just saw, in, in the reverse direction the other day with, with Luke Rockhold going up, you know, he couldn't get those takedowns on on uh, Jan Blakovich. It's a different weight class. The guys are bigger, and the strength, I think, translates. So that's going to be interesting to see. Either way, I think Clinton Abreu, and I think basically by whatever he wants. Joe. Okay, so this is kind of an interesting fight. I mean, Abreu lost. I, don't, I can't recall whether it was short notice or not. But lost to Ankalev, who is, you know, a pretty decent Russian fighter, um, known as the guy who tapped out with one second left against Paul Craig. But he kind of turned that around. And um, Abreu comes from a really good submission grappling camp in Brazil, Eva Lucao. And I, I apologize if I pronounced it wrong. Um, Sergio Marias, um, Neto BJJ, Pepe. It's a really good, and that's obviously what his bread and butter is. What makes this fight interesting is Albie has got a pretty solid takedown defense. So if this is purely a stand-up fight, I could actually see Albie catching him with a counter if he can't get Albie down. The other thing, the last time Albie was this low, 
priced on DK was his fight last year against Procneal, where he scored 123 points at 7.2K. So it's worth having a few shares of Alby just in case he does come up with that counter and drops drops this guy. This guy can't get him to the ground. I think stand-up Alby is the better, the better striker. Now, he's very low output. His floor is very low. This is purely GPP. Um, the same could be said about Abreu. If he gets Alvi down, I think he could. it could be all over. You could be getting a submission. So I kind of like this fight as a sneaky, low-owned GPP fight. I would not touch this fight in cash. Um, I'm going to pick the Brazilian. Um, I do think that that last fight against Crute uh, was was stopped early, that Alvi was still still could have you know, fought a bit longer. I don't know if it, if it would have changed the ultimate conclusion of that fight. But I'll have a few shares of Alvi, but I'm going to pick um, Abreu for the win. All right, move it on. Oh, sorry. Computer oh, issue. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's uh, – Hang on. Let's, let's oh, I got in. it. It is okay. Irene Aldana. No, yes, Irene Aldana, 8,400, taking on Raquel Pennington at 7,800. Aldana, I've seen actually getting some love on Twitter as of as of recently. Minus one thirty five. The comeback on Pennington is plus one twenty five. I can't wait to hear Joe talk about the narrative on this fight because some of the other one of the other podcasts I did, um, somebody hit me with a piece of information I did not know about about Pennington's yeah. personal life. So I'm yeah. sure Joe will Joe will give know. us Joe will give us the details on that in a second. I will say people, this is recency bias again. Like. Everyone's off of Pennington, and my biggest question about her is motivation. But skill for skill, Aldana's young. I think Pennington should have a grappling advantage here. Yes, Aldana's got like 90-something percent takedown defense. That's because she stopped 10 of 11 from Talita Bernardo, who was just exhausted and diving from a mile out. Aldana was also in trouble in, in the Betch-Cohea fight. That was a real close fight. She might have been behind on the scorecards until she got a third-round submission. I think Pennington's punny live. I think people are writing her off. It's 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 interesting to me. She's the underdog, and Aldana, unless she gets a finish, and she has much more volume than Maya, so she could put up ninety points in his in, in a decision win. I just think Pennington's too good for that, and we saw how tough she was in, in the Nunez fight. Almost tough for her own good. I like Rocky to pull an upset here, but it's not my most confident dog play of the card. Uh, who are we up to? Me. Go. Yeah, so the narrative that Sean, you know, teased is that apparently professionally I teased yeah, that. Apparently uh <laughs> um Pennington and her her fiance, uh UFC strawweight Tisha Torres broke up. Now, I don't know what happened there. Um it's got to be pretty traumatic. Um you know, Pennington is coming off of um a couple of of a couple of losses, including a, a life-changing beating against uh, Amanda Nunes, did not look horrible against um, GDR, um, but still coming off of two losses. Um, you know, she's tough. She's gritty. Remember, though, this is also someone who won a, who went to a split decision against Beth Correa. Um, you know, her wins, Elizabeth Phillips, Amisha Tate, who was on her way out the door. Um, you know, she did beat... Um, Andrade, when Andrade was fighting at bantamweight, that's probably her best win. You know, lost to Holly Holm. Um, you know, so kind of a checkered record. Um, you know, again, I don't know the circumstances behind the narrative. I don't know how that's going to affect her. It is kind of interesting to me that this is not a pick'em fight. 
Um, you know, Eldana, and, you know, I've watched a lot of her fights, and she's looked huge lately on fight day. I, I mean, I could see her, you know, going up to, I don't know if she has any issues making weight, but I could certainly at 5'9", um, see her moving up to 145. Um, you know, she trains with um, Grasso. She's part of that that camp in Mexico, Lobo Gym, um, coming coming off of three straight wins. Um, you know, Bernardo, okay, not great. I, I get it. Kudlova, split decision. And what's interesting is a belly down arm bar against um, Bethe Correa. So at least it wasn't a split decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's also lost to Leslie Smith and, and Chukagian. So I see this fight as very close. I just see two fighters going in different directions here, which is why I'm going to give the lean to Aldana. I don't know that this is going to be a great fight um, for DraftKings. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, what Aldana has been scoring at her salary, what is she, 8.4? You know, I think Aldana, you know, if you look at her, if you look at her fight lines, um, not bad, actually. You know, 103 against Bernardo, 90 against Pudlova, 90 against Korea. Um, her volume is pretty good. 70 significant strikes, 119 and 83 in her last three fights. So, um, you know, her floor is is pretty safe in a loss. Against Smith, she scored 59 in a loss. And against Chukagian, 42. Um, might be a sneaky cash play, um, you know, at 8.4K. Um, I like her more than I do Pennington in GPPs. Um, I believe my current exposure is 16% Aldana. Um, what am I, Pennington? Pennington is about 5%. Um, so I'm definitely more on Aldana, Aldana in GPPs. Um, we know that Pennington's floor is in a three-round decision. She landed a total of 24 significant strikes against the randomly, scoring 12 points, 40 points in a loss against Nunez. Even in her wins against Tate and Phillips, she scored 60 and 68 points. So she's really, you know, the opposite of DraftKings gold here. So I would not really be playing much Pena. I think it's a close fight. I'm going with Aldana. Pena? You mean Pennington? Pennington. Sorry, Pennington. I have Pennington. to say, I have to say the uh, the names that Joe pulls out as his reviews go longer and longer are are very interesting to me. True. I, I enjoy them. But um, thank you. Look, what what I would say about uh, the whole the whole thing about the breakup is, look, um, well, first of all, we have some people disputing that in the, in the chat, saying that she's still posting pictures of her. But even 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 assuming that it is true, like you have no idea that's going to affect her. Maybe it motivates her to blah blah blah. So I'm, I'm not I'm not really looking at that. What I will say, and I think you guys touched on it, is uh, the fight with uh, uh, Betch. Like when I first looked at this fight, I thought, okay, well, uh, Aldana can do kind of what GDR did, not in the same way, but she can use her length and her movement to just sort of pick her apart from the outside. But the problem is that uh, Aldana doesn't really kick. So she doesn't respond in the same way to pressure. That's why Betch had those moments of success in that fight, especially when Aldana was getting tired because she was just coming forward constantly and she started landing her strikes. And I think Pennington can do much the same thing. And we have a grappling element in here too. And I think that I, I should add that I think Pennington is a bit more, big, a bit better of a cage cutter than uh, Betchkehe is. We saw a lot in that Aldana fight. She was just sort of following and letting Aldana circle off. I think that Pennington is going to cage cut a little better. I don't think that boxing alone is going to be enough to do this. I think 
that Pennington is too good of a fighter, too good of a pressure fighter. I think she's been around too long. I think that Aldana just sort of looking to circle out and counter just isn't going to be enough. I think the pressure eventually gets to her one way or another, be it on the feet or on the ground. So I'm taking Pennington here for uh, yet another upset. All right, moving on. Alex Caceres, 8,800, taking on the chalk of the card. Steven Peterson at 7,400. The line on this fight has not yet flipped, but I think it will. Caceres minus 120, Peterson plus 110. Put him in your cash games. I think Peterson, I picked him early in the week. I have a bet on him, a slightly better line than this. Um, I just think his forward pressure is going to be too much for Caceres, who has spent most of his career in the UFC. Uh, tons of fights. Lost to Cron Gracie last time out. Good striker, but I just I think the pressure, he's not going to be able to keep it at range with Peterson. Peterson is very hittable. That is the concern here. Uh, but I don't think Caceres is a big KO threat. So give me Peterson to volume and grind Alex Caceres to a decision win. Chris. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a um, Alex Caceres fan, but that is maybe the most frustrating uh job on the planet because the guy just doesn't and look he said as much basically like in in pre-fight interviews he says oh well you know in the fight we just see what happens and he, i just want to scream at him just come out with a plan it'll do it, you'll do so much better but anyway um I, I look i have to pick peterson too i just think i the, the come forward striking is one thing but literally everybody who's ever tried to take alex uh caceres down has done so uh peterson has, has good wrestling he took down uh, Luis Pena, I think four times, who is an infinite, infinitely better grappler than Alex Caceres, and I would say has better takedown defense as well. So I, unless Alex Caceres cracks him with something hard, which he could do. I mean, we saw him do it uh, in the uh, – which fight was that? Bravo. Martin. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Martin Day, but it's Martin Bravo. That's right. Uh, in the Martin Bravo fight, he uh, – like that, but that's what I mean. Like sometimes he uses his length well, sometimes he doesn't. And it can, it can literally change from round to round. Like, there's nothing consistent about him. And I think Peterson is, le is at least going to apply some constant pressure. He's going to work his wrestling game. He's going to be backing Caceres up. So I just can't trust it. So as much as I like him, I think this is a pretty easy stylistic matchup for Peterson. And I think he's going to get a nice W here. Joe. Yeah. So Alex Caceres is a 14 and 12, has a 14 and 12 record. And what was disappointing in his last fight against Crone Gracie is Crone Gracie is a 31-year-old fighter with five fights on his record. Um, and he yet he fell victim to what is currently considered the seventh best MMA submission of the year. Um, I, he should have done better. I mean, he should not have put himself in a position to be choked out um, in the first round by a guy who was relatively inexperienced, had only four fights on his record at that point in time. Let's look at his recent history, okay? He won a split decision over Martin Bravo, who is not a great fighter, despite his record. He's not a good fighter. He can crush fighters in South America. He lost Guan Wang. Um, he, he beat Rolando Dai by a doctor stoppage. Um, lost to Jason Knight. The fight against Yair was a good fight. That was probably his best performance, and that was three years ago. It was a split decision loss, you know, beating Cole Miller, beating um, Masio Fullen. Those are not great wins. Um, neither one of these guys are world beaters. I mean, Peterson is also a fighter that's got eight losses on his record. Um, you know, his one win in his last three fights was on was off of a split decision. I was at that fight. He looks at he looked actually good. 
in that fight. Um, he's got a solid floor. I mean, obviously the best odds value on the card. He is going to be wickedly high owned. Just realize that. Um, you know, cash play, people are going to be using him in GPPs at 7.4K. Um, just realize he's going to be really high owned. For that reason, you should have a couple of shares of Caceres. Um, but, you know, Fortis has been a hot camp lately. Um, I'm going to go with, um, you know, ugh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Peterson here. I just don't think that, um, you know, either one of these guys has got a, you know, has got a long history in the UFC. I think Caceres is on his way out, even though he's only 31. And I'm not sure what the upside on Peterson is. But I'm also I'm going to go with the line value. Um, I'm going to pick Peterson here um, at 7.4K. Safe floor for cash. But just remember, he's going to be very highly owned. Ben Rothwell, 9,000. Andre Arlovsky, 7,200. Rothwell is the favorite at... Where the hell is it? I don't know. He's a favorite right now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'll, I'll find it, guys. Minus 175. Arlovsky's plus 165. They have fought before. Arlovsky won that fight. I'm still picking Rothwell here. Rothwell got robbed against Bukoy Ivanov last time out. I will say, also in his last fight, Andre Arlovsky should have got the decision win against Augusto Sakai. Um, just Arlovsky's 2-9 and nine in his last 11. He's changed how he fought to kind of protect his chin. Because he was got the reputation of being chinny, and, and he just though those were big guys, but he he's definitely changed how he's fought. Lower volume, not as good output. Rothwell is tough. I think he's just God. Neither one of these guys are young. I just I just think if anyone's going to get a finish here, I think it's Ben Rothwell. And I will say, just admittedly, it's it's a lot of a gut feeling here that I think Rothwell is going to knock out Andre Arlovsky. That's what my gut says. This does have the potential to be a really Boring, low-scoring fight. It's in the cars. One of these guys gets a de- gets a decision that way. Totally possible. I think that would probably favor Arlovsky if it's slow and technical. But like I said, gut feeling. I think Arlovsky is going to get um, going to get knocked out here. Uh, Joe. Yeah. So I became a Ben Rothwell fan when he put that go-go choke on Josh Barnett. It was the the only time that Barnett had been finished, um, and he did that go-go choke, um, which is what he called it. Um, you know, both of these guys are coming off of decisions that they should have won. Um, the one thing I'll give Arlo is that he's been a lot more active. I like his camp. I like that he fights at AT&T. I'm sorry, ATT. <laughs> I, I always make that mistake. I like that he's – my big concern about Rothwell, honestly, is his camp. I mean, his camp is Rothwell MMA. I can't imagine that there's a lot of guys as big as he is. Um, to train with. So that kind of concerns me. The fact that he's 37 concerns me. The fact that I believe he's got his snow cone business um, and now we're in the summer concerns me. Um, You know, with all that said, um, he's going to have 20 plus pounds on on Arlo. Um, If someone's going to get a knockout, it's going to be Rothwell. Um, I'm a little concerned about his price at 9K, um, but uh, you know, and I'm also afraid that Arlo will just run and go on his engine the entire fight. But I am going to pick Rothwell here. And along with Sean, I am going to predict Rothwell by knockout. Chris. Well, where can I get uh, Ben Rothwell's snow cone? Are, are they like around here? or No, I, I think it's in his in where he lives someplace out in, in Wisconsin. Kenosha, oh, yeah. I believe. I believe he's got a 
snow cone place in Kenosha? I say, that is the best question you've ever asked on the show. Well, no, because I, I, I really – I would buy some for the group. We could eat it next next week. Nice. But maybe, maybe they have an online presence. I'll have to see. But um, look, I, I this this line is weird for me. I think that I, – I don't disagree that, that uh, they well, they both got robbed. I would say that I thought Arlovsky's robbing was worse if we're breaking it down to that degree. I, I, the problem I see with Rothwell, and this has basically been his whole career, going back to uh, JDS fighting even further, he follows guys around the cage, and they're able to just get get away. Now, in the third round of that Blagoy-Evenoy fight, he started having way more success because he finally realized if I kick him, he can't just circle out like that. But for the re- for the majority of the fight, he was just following Blagoy around the cage while Blagoy circled out and countered him. And I think if he does that again, uh, Arlovsky can do much the same thing. He's got a, a nice stinging jab. He's got a good overhand. Now, that's pretty much all he has these days. I'm, well, I should say he actually worked in has worked in a takedown game uh, uh, from fight to fight. It, it sort of depends. But he, he has sort of worked more on his takedowns of late. But I think that um, most of this fight is just going to look like Arlovsky picking Rothwell off at, at range as he tries to come in. Unless Rothwell can sort of trap him and maybe try to put some combinations together or use those kicks, but I don't really trust him to do that because he follows around guys and doesn't even pressure when he should. Like in that JDS fight, uh, you know, everybody can beat JDS the same way, push him up against the fence, um, but but he but he just let JDS circle out every time and JDS just went to town. I think that Arlovsky can do a lesser version of that, so I'm going to pick Arlovsky by decision, but I do – have a fear that it's going to be low scoring at 7,200 though, maybe still a cash game. Alexander Hernandez, 8,900 taking on Francisco Trinaldo at 7,300. Hernandez, the favorite minus 200. Trinaldo, the comeback plus 185. Hernandez, the young gun. Trinaldo, the old man. Hernandez got that first loss last time out against um, Donald, Donald Cerrone. Trinaldo, not a ton of experience fighting outside of Brazil, actually. There's been a lot of his fights in Brazil. Um, look, I just I think Trinaldo's going to have success early. He typically doesn't finish guys early as, as good of a striker as he is. And I think the pre- the pace of Hernandez will wear him down. I see Alexander Hernandez winning a close decision, but he's so active, got so much volume. And if Trinaldo fades, he could get a finish. I think Hernandez is in play. Uh, he's my pick here. Uh, Chris? So it should be it should be said here, and it's very interesting that um, Cerrone beat Alexander Hernandez mainly. Uh, the, the main ingredient in that win was those counter knees as Hernandez overextended. And how did uh, Trinaldo just flatline Evan Dunham with a knee to the body as he overextended? So that that's a very interesting parallel here. I don't necessarily think that Trinaldo will be able to do that as consistently as Cerrone because he doesn't he doesn't have uh, the, the same height, obviously. Uh, but I do think that's an interesting parallel. But mainly I agree with Sean. I think Hernandez is just going to have too much pace. And I think that w- when you can back – like Trinaldo has a good pressure boxing game, but if you can be the one to back him up, I think you can really get him flustered sometimes. And I think that like he goes into that uh, Tiago uh, Santos kind of counter-striking where he just sort of throws big to try to get you off him. Um, he can catch you like that, I suppose. But if that's happening, I would pick Alexander Hernandez. I think he's going to pour on the pressure. I actually don't think a finish is out of the question here, just because even when Dunham was was pressuring uh, Trinaldo, he, 
moments of success in that fight. Before, um, all we, all people tend to remember that fight is is the devastating finish, but that fight was pretty even uh, before the finish. So I, I, I actually didn't really like how Trinaldo looked in that fight up until the finish. And for all his faults, I think Alexander Hernandez has sort of the basic kind of game to give Trinaldo trouble. Again, he could find that body knee counter the same way Cerrone did, but I think that's kind of unlikely. I'm going to go with uh, Hernandez by either a high-volume decision or a finish. Joe? Yeah, so um, Hernandez actually fights out of San Antonio, so it will be um, a local fight for him, which I, I view as a positive. I'll be honest. I thought his win against um, bon, bon Mercier was much more impressive than his knocking out um, Benny, who we, we know now has, has a chin, um, has chin issues. Um, although, you know, what, what concerns me here is Trinaldo is no easy out. I mean, it's been hard. There's really no upside in fighting him. Um, you know, he's had canceled fights against Maklashev and, and Diego Ferreira. And that's probably because, you know, he's a 40-year-old guy who's not going anywhere. Um, and, and there's just no profit in fighting him. He's tough as hell. Um, with that said, um, I think that this is a relatively good spot for Hernandez. I think he can grind on, um, you know, I don't know that the output is going to be as high because I don't know if Hernandez wants to trade unless, unless Trinaldo is slowed down materially. I think what Hernandez should do is look to wrestle here and take him down and grind him out. Um, I am going to go with Hernandez. I am going to predict a latish finish in this fight in front of the home crowd. Um, but if this stays standing, there could be some iffy moments here because Trinaldo is a tough out, um, you know, and he's he's a hard guy not to like, you know, still fighting at 40 years old. So give me Alex Hernandez, but let's hope that his plan is to wrestle and not slug. All right, next up, Dan Hooker, 8,500, taking on James Vick at 7,700. Line on this fight, Hooker's the favorite, minus 135. Comeback on Vick, plus 125. Everyone loves to hate James Vick. Dan Hooker just got his soul taken by Edson Barbosa. You don't know how he's going to look. What's interesting here is Vick is the bigger guy. Hooker's used to being the bigger guy at lightweight. I think Vick will be able to outbox Dan Hooker. My concern is the chin of James Vick. Will it hold up? So I think Vic wins this fight. Um, I like him at dog money here, especially Hooker six months ago off that beating and just the size and the boxing skill here I think will be the difference, but very close fight. Give me James Vic. Joe. Okay, so I love Hooker here. Um, Dan Ho Daniel Hooker. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, look, I, I do not hate James Vic, but I've never been, um, I've never been a James Vic guy. Um, you know, he... He lost to Paul Felder. Um, he lost to Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, back in the day, he lost to Benny Dariush. Now, his wins are against Abel Trujillo. We don't want to talk about what he's got going on right now. Yep. Um, Polio Reyes, who, um, you know, has turned into a punching bag. Joe Duffy, that was a good win. Um, a, bit un a bit unexpected because Duffy was a good boxer who was um, lobbying to get his contract renewed by the UFC. And Trinaldo, okay? So it's not like he's actually beaten a murderer's row here. And then he got lit up by Gaethje in the first round, who found his chin, um, and Paul Felder. I'm really impressed with the career trajectory of, of Hooker. 
Um, you know, I like, you know, obviously that was a beating that no one should take um, against uh, Barbosa. Um, you know, prior to that, um, you know, him, um, you know, finishing, you know, Burns, finishing Miller and finishing Dia Casey. You know, I'm going to throw out the Ross Peterson fight. So what? Um, you know, I really like the way that he's been fighting since he's moved up, um, you know, to lightweight. Um, so I think that Vic's chin is going to be out there. I think he's going to get boxed up. Forget about the fact that Vic's, Vic is a Texas guy. Um, you know, I like Hooker a fair amount here, and I'm going to be very, very exposed to him um, on DK, and I am predicting Hooker by knockout. Oof. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I concur with, with the oof because I, uh, I'm i also on James Vic, and, and there's a pretty simple reason why. Um, we saw it in the Barbosa fight. Barbosa, you got to back him up. But what does what does James Vick do? He stands in the center of the cage and he tries to have a kickboxing match. That sure as hell didn't work with Barbosa, and it's not going to work with Vick either. The way you beat James Vick is backing him up because he's one of the tall guys who has tall men defense. He just tries to move his head back. You put him up against the cage, his head has nowhere to go, and he meets your fist. But if you choose to let him work in the middle of the cage, he's actually very good. He's slick on the counter. He's got a nice crisp jab. He can throw in combination. And he, he, he uses kicking game a little bit. I think that unless Dan Hooker has really learned something from the Edson Barboza fight, that is, unless, if he stands in the middle of the cage and just tries to have a kickboxing match with James Vick, I think Vick is going to light him up. I think that he needs to pour on the pressure and he needs to do it early. Now, he's a good young fighter. He could have learned some lessons there, but I can't bank on it. The only thing I can go on is what I've seen in the cage. What I've seen in the cage tells me that this is a decent stylistic matchup for James Vick, and that's why I'm picking him here. Wow. I don't know. We both see this fight so differently. I think this is a great matchup for Hooker. He's got a guy who's gonna, who's willing to slug with him, um, who leaves his chin out. He's, well, got, he's got much better wins. On sure. Him. Well, no, sure. He leaves his chin out, but what I'm saying is uh, what I'm saying is that Hooker doesn't have the style to find it the way that other fighters have. Well, well all I can say is that, you know, he – he found uh, he found Burns's. He found Miller, who's not no easy guy to finish. He found Dia Casey, and like I said, I'm going to throw out Ross Pearson because you know even two years ago Ross Pearson was well, at the end oh, of his but career. he didn't find Dia Casey, did it? That was a third round. He choked him out. He choked him out. Yeah. Right? He choked him out. But Dia Casey is a lot faster than Vic will ever be. Um, you know, so uh, look, I'm I, I guess we disagree here. Um, I do like Hooker by by finish. I do have a lot of him. Um, on DK. So again, this could be a pretty big pork chop for me. I love his price. Um, I think it's great value. I think he's going to go 12 to 13 X. All right. Well, keep that, we'll keep that one in mind, folks. I just want that. That's uh that's oh, the see, for this week. So. You were looking good until you just put that out there. You were looking good until that last part. Wow. Right. Why, why, why? Because, because you got to just eat it and you come back with a, Hey, I told you so. Well, now, I'm going to say that anyway. Don't worry. Preemptive. I told you so it's not going to work. All right, speaking of prices, we like Juan Adams, 8,100. Greg Hardy, 8,100. Fight is a pick em. These guys hate each other. Juan Adams like Juan Adams likes candy bars. Greg Hardy allegedly hits women. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, two, two not great um, people. Juan Adams, look, the difference in this one for me. Um, I <laughs> candy bars for sitting women. Yeah. Uh, They're Greg, completely different vices, my friend. 
Are they? <laughs> that has me. That has me cracking up. <sighs> that was that was the point. I need as some water. As, as much as I dislike Greg Hardy, I think Juan Adams. We haven't <sighs> seen him want to use his wrestling. He comes forward and bursts. He's easy to be countered. I got a feeling Greg Hardy's going to knock him out here. But either way, I want a ton of this fight. Juan Adams, if he's smart, will come out, try and wrestle. Greg Hardy, put him on his ass and and grind and pound him out of there. We'll see what happens either way. I love this fight for GPP. It's too risky for cash. But I do think Greg Hardy gets a win here. Uh, Joe. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah. um, I have uh, 90% exposure to this fight. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I have more than that. And it's pretty much split right down the middle. I mean, um, actually, I've got a bit more Adams than I do Hardy. Um, I'm going to pick Adams. I think Adams, he... He has some tools that Hardy doesn't necessarily have. So, you know, for that reason, I I have slightly more Hardy here. I mean, my one fear is that this could, like, turn into a three-round hug fest. Um, You know, although, you know, Adams comes out fast. Hardy comes out fast. um, It's going to be interesting to see how this progresses. Um, I'm going to go with um, Adams here. But I think, you know, based on the – Finish prop. I, I think only Harris has a better Harris has a better finish prop here. Um, but I think you've got to have exposure to this fight, whichever side you pick. Um, I don't know how anyone could be highly confident in either one of these guys. They both have they both have flaws. They both you know cut to go to two sixty five. Um, you know the only thing I'll say is that at least um, you know Adams has that wrestling background. Uh, to fall back on. He is also a Houston guy. So, I mean, he's a Texas guy too. I know Hardy played for the Cowboys, but, um, you know, we've got a Houston guy here. Um, I think it's about a two and a half, three hour drive to San Antonio. Uh, I love his nickname, the Kraken, Um, you know, so I am going to go with Adams here, Um, but you should have exposure to that fight. If you take nothing away from this breakdown, um, it's a fight that you want to have um, exposure to. Um, Hardy trains in Florida to, at American Top Team, but um, you know, obviously a really good gym, good camp. But I'm going to go with Adams. Chris, yeah, Juan Adams striking scares the crap out of me. He is just very—you said it—he's so hittable on the feet, and for a big guy, he doesn't even throw hard because he just throws arm punches. He comes out with a jab and sort of leads with his chin. And Greg Hardy could could absolutely find his chin. Uh, obviously, the X factor is that he does have that Arizona State wrestling in his back pocket. Um, I wouldn't say he doesn't look for it. I mean, he couldn't take down Arjun Buller, but Arjun Buller, a wrestler himself, he did take down De La Rocha a couple times. Um, it's it's tough for me because I I it, I can really see it going either way. I can really see it. Because we shouldn't we shouldn't overestimate the fact that one Adams gasses too. So if it gets to the point where you know they're both really tired, who do you favor? Now that the power would be gone, I don't really know. You know, so to me, it's an intriguing fight. I kind of see Greg Hardy knocking him out. Unfortunately, I would like Greg Hardy to lose personally, but we're playing a, a game for money. You got to play with your head. So I think that Greg Hardy probably knocks him out here. I think that one Adams needs to go get to his wrestling immediately. Because if he tries to stand with Greg Hardy, I, I think he's getting knocked out. So I echo what you guys said. It's a it's a pick 'em fight. It's eighty one hundred each. Play it that play it that way. Have 
um, shares of both guys, almost at an equal weight. I would say maybe have a little more Hardy just because there's so many holes in, in Adams' stand-up and his wrestling hasn't looked that reliable. So I think the more likely scenario, maybe only slightly, is Hardy knocking him out. But an intriguing fight and one that you should be well stocked up on. As is Walt Harris at 8,700, taking on Alexi Olenek at 7,500. Harris the favorite at, you think eventually I'd have this queued up ready to go, minus, uh, minus 155. Olenek plus 145. Fight into the distance is like minus 600 or some something stupid. 650. 650. Yeah. Um, look, Harris is going to knock him out in the feet, or Olenek's going to get this down and sub him. Let's not overcomplicate it. I've talked crap about both these guys. I will say I hate Alexi Olenek more, so the pick is Walt Harris. Um, Olenek is a million years old. I think he's going to get caught trying to get a takedown um, and get knocked out. If he gets the fight to the ground, he'll probably win. So um, give me a lot of this fight in GPPs. Harris is the play, though, for me. Uh, Chris? Yeah, uh, well, anybody who's listening to this podcast before knows that Alexi Olenek is basically my favorite fighter on the planet. Uh, You're sticking me. I will never pick against him. I will give you an unbiased analysis, but um, that will be aside from my pick, which is 100% Olenek. Now, the analysis of the fight. Um, I actually thought that Olenek, I still think that Olenek uh, Overeem fight was an, a winnable fight for Olenek, but what really bothered me about it was that after about the third or fourth time he ate big knees in the clinch, he just continued to go back there. So I think he fought like he couldn't get hurt because He's a, he's a tough dude. Most people don't knock him out. Maybe he just thought that he couldn't get hurt. And obviously, Overeem's knees are a different story. As are Walt Harris's punches. Now, the thing about Walt Harris, it's funny because right as I said he was turning a corner, he turned around and had two of the most slowest, most boring fights I think I've ever seen. But then he just had a nice knockout over Spivak. I think that guy's name was the, the uh, debuting fighter. The fact that you don't know his name is a concern. Yeah, it, 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 that tells you everything you need to know. But um, look, so maybe maybe a guy that is able to be walked through, but it must be said he came forward a lot more. He threw in combination immediately. And if he does that here, I, I really don't see um, Olenek surviving it. What I will say is that uh, much like we were talking about Caceres before, anyone who's t- tried to take him down Walt Harris has basically done it. And if that happens, I, the fight is basically over. Um, Olenek is basically a Grandmaster Jedi on the ground at this point. Walt Harris will not survive with him there. But the one, the thing you have to, you have to ask yourself here is, can he get it to the ground before wading in and taking punches? Now, Olenek has some decent striking because he's got really long arms for a guy his height. So he tends to tag up people more than he should, maybe. Uh, we saw it against Travis Brown. We saw him land a, a shot that stumbled Mark Hunt, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in general, uh, the more time he stays on the feet is just a danger zone. I'm going to take Walt Harris here because I just I just think Olenek is too tough for his own good. I think he's going to wait in, and I think he's going to get knocked out here. But as I said, um, my official pick is 1,000% Olenek on all the lineups. Oh, God. Joe. <laughs> Okay, so I have 86% exposure to this fight, which is a bit more than I'm probably comfortable with. Um, How do you not like Olenek as a fighter, though? I mean, the Boer Constrictor, the combined age of these two guys is 78. So let's put that on the table. Um, You know, Harris is, you know, that we know of. I mean, 
I, I can't read Krillix, so I don't know what a Russian birth certificate looks like, but apparently he's 42, although he looks older and he's had a lot more fights. Um, you know, my fear for Olenek is that he's going to come into the ring and obviously fights start standing. You know, that's one of the tenets of, of MMA. Um, he's going to throw one of those looping crazy punches and get, get caught off balance and Harris will block him. However, my other concern is that um, Olenek will duck under Harris's punch, grab him, throw him to the ground, and then it could be a long, long night for Harris. Well, can I just say, um, Alexi Olenek is 42 years old with bad knees. I don't think he hits many reactive takedowns, but... Well, okay. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's then say that maybe Harris doesn't have the best fight IQ. Okay. Um, look, Harris beats who's in front of him. You know, his loss against Goodbeer was uh, due to a, an illegal knee. Um, you know, you can't fault a guy for beating who's put in front of him. Um, he just laid down for Verdum. Remember, he was supposed to fight someone else that night. Um, Verdum needed an opponent. It was kind of a last-minute swaparoo. Caused all kinds of crazy shit on DK. Um, so Harris beats who's put in front of him. Um, I'm not saying I love the guy, but, I mean, this is a fight that he should be able to win and finish. I mean, obviously, this fight... I'd be very surprised if this fight goes the distance. Um, I have to play. I, I, again, I've got a lot of exposure to this fight because it's it's a pure GPP fight. You know, anyone who wins is going to score 10 to 13x. Um, you know, and, and if Olenek wins, he could be a slate breaker at 7.5k. So, you know, that's something to consider for sure. So I'm going to pick Harris, but I'm going to say that you should have some GPP shares of Olenek. Neither one of these guys has got a floor for cash. Um, you know, even a decision is going to be ugly. Um, but uh, Harris, give me Harris, give, give me Harris by finish, but definitely have shares of Olenek because it would not surprise me if Olenek got a finish either. Main event time, Leon Edwards, 8,300. Rafael Dos Anjos, 7,900. This fight as of right now, um, Edwards is a minus 130 favorite, RDA plus 120. Incredibly close fight. I think the volume and pace of RDA will win the day. Five rounds of action makes a typically low-scoring Leon Edwards in play. I just think RDA is going to push the pace of the fight overall, so his volume will naturally come up. I think both guys can get takedowns, but I think both can get back up from the other one. I see it as a close fight, but I see RDA winning it. Joe? Yeah, um, I've been an Edwards guy. You know, I've, I've said a number of times, you know, he's the best. You know, even when Darren Till was getting all his props, I – I said the best, the best welterweight in the UK is Leon Edwards, not Darren Till. Um, you know the problem with Edwards is, look, it was very, I was very impressed with what he did against, you know, Gunnar Nelson. Um, but he only scored sixty nine points in that fight. <laughs> um, you know, his best line, you have to go back to two thousand fifteen, where he scored one hundred and two points against somebody named Basinski where he scored 102 points. Other than that, it's 64 and a win, 13 and a loss against Usman, 73 and a win against Waters, 86 against Tumanov. He did beat Luke, 75 points, 72 against Barbarina, 98 against Sabota, and 72 against Cerrone. Now, Cerrone said he was not feeling well. I don't know if he said he had strap or if he had a fever or whatever. He wasn't feeling well. He said in that fight, take that. For what it is, he scored 72 points at 8.6K. Against Nelson, he was 8.3. He's 8.3 again. My concern with Edwards is that if he does win this fight, and he should be able to get 
um, Dos Anjos down. Dos Anjos can be taken down. Um, he's just not a high-volume striker, and he's not the best at holding guys down, and he seems to have fallen in love with his hands. If he gets into a striking match with RDA, he's going to lose. Um, RDA is probably a better DraftKings play. Um, I was super impressed um, with his last fight um, against uh, Kevin Lee. I was in on Lee. Um, Lee obviously gassed. Um, I will say that even though I am going to pick Edwards to win, um, I think that Dos Anjos might be the better DraftKings play at 7.9K. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think about stacking this fight in cash. I, I've heard some pros and cons on the stack. It's an it's a it's a wonky card with a couple heavyweights, so I'm stacking it. Yeah, you know, I could see that. I mean, look, Dos, Dos Anjos could get takedowns as well. Um, you know, my concern is, you know, if this was a three-round fight, I would definitely say the stack is is not the right play. Um, both these guys seem to have decent cardio. RDA might have a little bit better cardio. Um, but I'm going to pick – it's really close for me. I mean, I've, it's funny. I've got more shares of Dos Anjos on DraftKings. Um, I'm going to – Edwards has had such a good trajectory. Um, I'm going to pick Edwards to win here. It's not highly a highly confident pick, but I've been an Edwards guy for a long time. Um, you know, Dos Anjos has definitely – um, you know, had a resurgence at welterweight. Um, but Edwards should have a significant size advantage over him. If he uses his wrestling, he should be able to get some rinse and repeat takedowns. I'm going to take Edwards. Chris. Well, the first thing I have to say is, Joe, how dare you uh, disrespect two-time Ultimate Fighter alum Seth Bozinski? I mean, geez. Okay. Some guy named Bozinski. Yeah. On, he's a legend. The the Polish Pistola. But uh, okay. anyway, Go I think... It. I think that um, look, I think RDA to Sean's point, um, the the pressure and the pace. But more than that, I think um, is is Leon Edwards allows himself to get backed up a lot, and I think that's going to really pay dividends for RDA here. As far as the wrestling goes, we saw um, a ridiculously improved takedown defense from Kevin Lee in that fight. Um, we saw him just dig for the underhook and just wrench it up constantly, and that was basically thwarting all the double leg attempts. Now Leon Edwards. It doesn't I mean he can do that, but he looks for the body locks as well. So it'll be interesting to see what um, what RDA's answer to that is for takedown def defense. Like up against the cage, we know that we've seen him go to the tie clinch when his back is up against the fence. So it'll be interesting. Um, I I don't see really Edwards' kicking game really bothering RDA so much because of the pressure that RDA puts on. And again, to me, I I just I just think that RDA is going to be able to back Edwards up consistently. And I think it's going to lead to him winning the fight. He can get his own takedowns if he wants. We've seen that before. We've seen him surprise uh, wrestlers such as Lee and Colby Covington by getting his own takedowns. And once he's on the floor there, he has a big advantage. So uh, give me RDA. I think he has actually a pretty good, maybe a deceptively good matchup here. And I think he's going to get the win. All right, guys, it is time for hot takes. Um, let's see. Roxon is 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 kissing up to our boy Sun Tzu, saying he should parlay make a sixteen parlay with his main lineup because he's going to hit this week, <laughs> and, that, and that and that Joe is taking down a GPP or two or three. Also, I, I've got to give a shout out to my my boy from Texas, uh, Big T's son, who 
um, you know, was lobbying Cirrus to get me uh, a show. I, I appreciate that. Um, the check's in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. I, I genuinely appreciate the feedback. Uh, Big T's son um, from Texas. Um, okay, so. But, I, but Joe, if you're, if you're going to be on there, we both know you need my sweet radio time. I, I, I need both you guys. I need to, I need to have um, both you guys on. I need well, uh, somebody to give you correct fight picks, right? True. So well, I need to, to correct my, to also correct my, my naming. Your um, pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So I have mine. I'm going to give you guys a parlay that pays 10 to one, oh, um, which I am going to play. Um, I'm also going to uh, play a parlay that pays uh, almost five to one, but let me give you the 10 to one. It's and it's all finished by um, knockout, DQ, or submission. It's Pilarte, Hooker, and Harris. That pays about ten to one. And then I'm also going to play Hooker and Pilarte, which pays around uh, four, yeah, almost five to one. So that's what I'm giving you guys. I, I like Hooker by finish. I like Pilarte by finish. I like Harris by finish. That is a ten to one parlay. Um, which I'm going to play. I'm probably going to put 100 on that, and then I'm going to back that up with a hooker, Pilarte parlay that pays almost 5 to 1. So uh, for 200, you guys are going to get 1,500 back. So go for it. All right. I'm going to read the ones from chat. Ryan Burton has Aldana inside the distance. Ooh. Don't agree with that one, but that is a hot take um, and not the most ridiculous thing. The one I like even more, though, is John Tiller. Roxy TKO second round wow. elbows from the mount. Good luck in the down first. Good luck. I like that, I, I like that one. Um, wow. Chris, what's your hot take? My hot take, as we previously, I'm going to give you guys a second one, but the first one, as we mentioned, was um, Jennifer Meyer scoring. What did we say? 82. 82 at least. At least. That's the floor. But I have another one because, as a standard on an Alexio Linux card, I have to say, that, uh, my hot take is Olenek by Ezekiel Choke in round. All right, ready? I'm I'm gonna get real specific. I'm gonna give you four fights in which the winner of that fight is on the winning GPP lineup. Wow. Oh wow. Okay. Go ahead. O- Olenek Harris. The main event: Edwards RDA. Um, Adams Hardy, and then Ray Borg Batista. Or um, Ray Borg Silva, yeah, Silva. Winner of those four fights are all going to be on the optimal lineup. That's my hot take for this card. That's what we got for UFC San Antonio. Make sure you go to rotowire.com/slash/free ten-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, Rotowire on iTunes. After the fact, replay of the show on Rotowire MMA. Thanks everyone for the support. Appreciate everybody in chat. Guys, it was fun as always. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.